Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to The 34.
to have community support. But there are so many others that are not that lucky. Medicare for All will save lives. It will give us peace of mind. So join me, join us, and let's make Medicare for All a reality for everyone. Si se puede, not me. as you've already heard. Back in September of 2013, my life changed forever. I was diagnosed at UCLA Medical Center with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was admitted to the hospital almost in complete system failure. I was there for five long weeks. It was scary and very rough. While I was in the hospital fighting for my life, our insurance company was challenging certain needed treatments as possibly not being covered by my wife's policy. I finally got out of the hospital and after rehabilitation and chemotherapy, the next critical phase was regular ongoing PET CT scans to keep a close eye on whether the cancer would reappear or spread. Unbelievably, the insurance company said I was only a minimum six months apart. I waited the six months after the first one, but when my doctor tried to get the next PET CT scan, he scanned. And that wasn't the end of it. Later, they refused to authorize any scans at all, saying my condition didn't warrant it. So my doctor and I had to fight this insurance company on a recurring basis for the next four years. Then back in May of last year, my oncologist reminded me that I would soon be eligible for Medicare and this whole fighting thing would come to an end given my condition. I switched to Medicare in June of 2018 and he was indeed right. I no longer fear that the insurance company will decline the treatment requested by a National Institute of Health Cancer Research Center. Everyone should have the right to medical treatment. No one should ever have to go through what I went through. When you're fighting for your life, you don't want to be fighting for the treatment that's been prescribed for you. Senator Sanders' Medicare for All plan will give all of us the right to health care. So folks, we have to make this happen. Let's fight for Medicare for All, and let's get Bernie Sanders elected president yeah. of the United States. Based healthcare system has failed so many, likely including many of you in this room or somebody that you know. I've worked in healthcare my entire adult life. I am an ER nurse and ER nurse practitioner. 
I'm also an educator of nursing students and have been a patient myself. Every day, we nurses see way too many conditions that go untreated because of insurance barriers. Insurance companies run our healthcare system, not doctors and not nurses. They decide who gets treatment and who doesn't by dictating care by way of pre-approvals and denials. Another gigantic barrier is cost. People simply cannot afford their insurance premiums or deductibles. This leads far too many down the path of despair, bankruptcy, and even death. Common conditions we see left untreated are things like high blood pressure and diabetes because they couldn't go see their doctor or nurse practitioner because they couldn't afford it. For a diabetic, a simple cut on their foot can quickly spiral out of control and lead to an amputation because they couldn't afford their insulin. Those with uncontrolled high blood pressure end up in ERs all across the nation with devastating strokes and heart attacks, both of which are preventable. Then there are those who experience pain for months and when they can't take it anymore, they come to the ER only to find out that that pain was in fact cancer and is now advanced. People are forced to make impossible decisions because of the terrifying reality that they cannot afford their deductibles and definitely not a surprise bill. When I ask people why they didn't get the care they needed, they often respond by telling me that they simply just could not afford it. They wait and hope and pray and cross their fingers that whatever is ailing them, whatever they are feeling, whatever worrisome thing growing on their body will just go away. Every day I work, I find myself getting so angry. Angry at what I see happening to people because of this for-profit over people healthcare yeah. system. Yeah. Like many of you, I believe that healthcare is a human right. Yeah. Frederick Douglass, who once said, power concedes nothing without demand. And today, we are demanding Medicare for all. Thank them enough for providing this community service for us today. Um, 
And now I would like to bring up the dynamic Senator Nina Turner. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have Medicare for all. 
Christmas, but I want you to follow me because either you are for the people or you are not. You can't be in the middle. Either you are for the people or you are not. Either you believe that the levers of power should be moved in this country to lift the people of this country or you don't. Either you believe that you got to make book with your owners, I'm sorry, your donors. And 
our mission is so low, we can't get out to it. And our mission is so wide, we can't get around it. And with these hands, we will elect. Come on with me. Yeah. With these I always have to follow Nina Turner. <laughs> Nina has been running all over this country, doing some of the most important work that any human being can do, and that is trying to revitalize American democracy, get young people, working people, people of color involved in the political process. talking about today is really not a complicated issue. It surrounds, I think, two fundamental questions. And that is, do we believe that health care is a human right? Yes. Are we satisfied with a system that says to over 80 million Americans that they may not be able to get to a doctor when they need? Are we satisfied with a system in which 30,000 people every single year die because they don't get to a doctor when they need? Are we satisfied with a system where working class people are forced to spend a very significant percentage of their limited incomes on housing. Are we satisfied that we are the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to every man, woman, and child? Are we satisfied that we end up spending almost twice as much per person on health care as do the people of any other nation. No. Are we satisfied that we pay by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs? No. Are we satisfied that we have a health care system which is not designed to provide quality care to all of us, but to make tens of billions in profits for the drug companies and the insurance companies. So that is what this fight is about. It is not complicated. What this fight 
is about is to do what every other major country on earth does. What this fight is about is to say that if you get sick, or you get sick, or you get sick, you don't have to worry about whether you can afford to go to the doctor. You're sick, you go to the doctor. What this fight is about is if, God forbid, somebody here or somebody's family member ends up in the hospital with cancer or heart disease, you don't have to worry that your family is going to end up bankrupt or in a financial disaster because you can't pay the $100,000 bill that came from the hospital. That's what this fight is about. You know, when we talk about the struggle for human rights in America, we think back, and we think back about the struggle for workers' rights and the formation of trade unions, and workers by the millions standing up and demanding dignity on the job. We talk about the struggle for women's rights. 100 years ago today, women in America did not have the right to vote. They didn't have the right to go out and do the jobs they wanted, get the education they wanted. They stood up and they fought back. And they said, you know, Women will not be second-class citizens. And we talk... I want my whole damn dollar! And when we talk about the struggle for human rights, we talk about the civil rights movement. Dr. King and all of those people who stop and say, we are going to end racism and segregation in this country. That everybody, regardless of the color of their skin, has the right to vote. And when we talk about human rights, we talk about our gay brothers and sisters taking to the streets and demanding the right to marry whoever they wanted regardless of their gender. And when we talk about human rights, we talk about environmental rights. The right to turn on the water faucet and know that the water you are drinking is not toxic. And today we say loudly and clearly, healthcare is a human right. system which cost us almost twice as much as any other country and which denies health care, quality health care to tens of millions of people is a sensible system. Very few people do. So what is the reason? How does it happen that we continue to be the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care at all? And I'll tell you what the reason is. The reason has nothing to do with health care. It has everything to do with greed. It has everything to do with the fact that the top five insurance companies last year made over $20 billion in profit. It has everything to do with the fact that the CEOs 
of these large corporations make outrageous levels of compensation. Give you one example. This is how crazy the system is. 80, over 80 million people uninsured and underinsured. We don't have enough money to provide health care to all. And yet, last year, the guy who was head of Aetna, a gentleman named Mr. Bertolini, got a $500 million golden parachute because he brought together a merger of Aetna and CVS. We got the guy who's head of United Healthcare making over $80 million a couple of years ago. All right, so from their perspective, if you are an insurance company or you are a drug company, and the top 10 drug companies made 69 billion in profits last year. If you are a drug company or an insurance company, the system is working great. What is the problem? But if you are somebody who can't afford to go to the doctor, if you are an elderly person who desperately needs home health care and can't find it, if you have, you are a person who needs to get into a nursing home, but has to spend off all of your life savings, you save some money and you want to leave that money to the kids, but in order to get onto Medicaid, to get into a nursing home, you have to spend out all of that money and you leave your kids nothing. That system does not work for you. So what we are about is saying something that is pretty simple. And that is right now we have a good healthcare system for people 65 years of age or older. That system is called Medicare, okay? And that system provides quality care for seniors. And by the way, when we move forward with a Medicare for all single payer system, we are going to improve Medicare for the elderly. Because the current system does not cover dental care, hearing aids, or eyeglasses. And we're gonna change that. And then what we are going to do is over a four-year transition period. This is not hard stuff. First year, we say to people who are between 55 and 65, right now the eligibility age for Medicare is 65. We lower that year one to 55. Year two to 45. Year three to 35. Year four, every man and woman is Now, the people who say it's too complicated, it is too hard. We just can't expand Medicare to cover everybody over a four year period. I want you to think back. In 1965, the Congress and President Lyndon Johnson passed Medicare. And without anywhere near the kind of technology that we have today, within one year, they were able to enroll 19 million seniors in Medicare. So if they, in 1965, starting a brand new program, can enroll 19 million people in the Medicare program, do not tell me that over a four year period with this technology that we have, that we cannot provide healthcare to all people. The struggle 
we are having now is in fact a human rights struggle. And mark my words, after we win this fight, yeah. and we will win this fight, Your children and your grandchildren will look back and say, I really cannot believe, you know, Grandma, don't be ridiculous. You're telling me there was once a time when people could not afford to go to a doctor. Yeah. Oh, Grandma, don't be ridiculous. And you're telling me people actually died because they didn't get to a doctor. Or people went bankrupt because they couldn't get to a doctor. What we are going to do is make sure that those grandchildren do not have to ask that question because we're going to pass Medicare for all as quickly as we can. Now this, in a couple of days, Sunday, this is one part of healthcare. On Sunday, I am going from Detroit, Michigan to Windsor, Ontario. Anyone know why I'm doing this trip? Okay. We're not sightseeing. We're going to Windsor with a group of folks who are dealing with a very serious problem that is growing in America, and that's diabetes. Okay? We got an explosion of diabetes in this country. And as you know, many diabetes, diabetics need insulin. We're gonna go over the Canadian border and we are gonna buy insulin for one tenth the price that is charged in America. And the truth is that in America today, there are people by the millions who are buying medicine abroad. About 20 years ago, in northern Vermont, when I was a congressman, I took a busload of uh, women who were struggling with breast cancer. And they were using a widely prescribed breast cancer drug called tamoxifen. And we got into the bus in northern Vermont. We went about an hour into Montreal and they bought tamoxifen for one-tenth of the price that they were paying in the United States. So what we have got to be asking ourselves, and this is something you don't see on the media, you don't see politicians talking about, what do we say to the pharmaceutical industry when they are charging people prices that are so high that people in this country are literally dying because they cannot afford the medicine they desperately need. We have heard from mothers who said, that, you know, my kid became 27, lost his health insurance, is diabetic, could not afford the insulin that he needed. He started cutting back on insulin and he died. And that is a story being told, not just for people with diabetes, but for all kinds of other illnesses. That is not what a humane, civilized society is about. And we will no longer accept the pharmaceutical industry killing people because of their short-term problems. And I wish I could think of another word. You can help me out with the word, but if we have the medicine and the medicine is available to save your life and you cannot afford that medicine, 
so that the drug companies can make tens of billions of dollars a year and artificially maintain the highest prices in the world. What are we supposed to call that industry? What do we call Criminal. it? Criminals, that's what we call them. And by the way, these are the same people who in many instances knowingly, knowingly understood that they were selling opioids all across this country that caused addiction. I think the American people are sick and tired of the greed of the insurance companies and the drug companies. And under Medicare for all, this is what we do. What we do in terms of pharmaceuticals is for a start, we cap the amount of money any American will have to spend for prescription drugs at 200 bucks. That's it, no more. And we do that by several mechanisms that lower the price of medicine in this country. Number one, Medicare will negotiate drug prices with the pharmaceutical industry. Number two, if countries like Canada and the UK have prescription drugs that are sold in those countries at, at substantially lower costs, they are sold in the United States, then pharmacists and prescription drug distributors will be able to bring those FDA-approved drugs into the United States and sell it to us at the same price. What we do is we look at half a dozen major countries around the globe and we see what they are charging their people for prescription drugs and that will be the price sold in the United States, about half of what we're currently spending. So the debate really is not about whether the current system works. The current system is failing tens and tens and tens of millions of people, even people who have good insurance. A friend of mine today woke up to get a call from a hospital that said, you thought you had good insurance, except you're gonna have to pay $3,000 for a colonoscopy because you really weren't covered for that. That happens every single day to people. Right, you, you submit your claim to the insurance companies and the insurance companies say, you thought you were covered, sorry you weren't. And by the way, the insurance companies employ huge numbers of people whose job it is to deny you the coverage that you thought you had. So all that we are trying to, let me just conclude, uh, telling a story just happened a few days ago. We were down in Burlington, Vermont, I'd love you all to visit us. I was just walking, I was just walking down the main street uh, in Berlin, it's called Church Street, and we talked to the people about healthcare, there was a camera with me. And I asked, we had a bunch of people surrounding me, and I said, are there any Canadians here? A lot of Canadians come to Burlington. And a couple of people jumped up and said, yeah, we're from Canada. I said, please come up. Tell me about the Canadian healthcare system. And I want you to understand this, because the media doesn't report this very much, and we'll talk about why the media doesn't in a few minutes. But I said, tell me about your system. The guy said, well, one guy said, you know, my father, um, it was discovered that my father had leukemia about 10 years ago, and he recently died. But that I was able to 
be with him for the last 10 years is obviously something enormously important to me and to my father. And during that 10 year period when he was struggling with leukemia, he had to take a very, very expensive drug. And I think if my memory is correct, it cost about $100,000 a year. So here was a guy getting treatment for leukemia, which is very, very expensive over a 10 year period and getting a very expensive drug. Does anybody know in this room how much that family paid for that care? Didn't pay a nickel. They didn't pay a nickel. So in Canada, I was up in, in Toronto uh, about a couple of years ago, and people there were very nice to let me into a major hospital. I had the opportunity to talk to patients uh, and the doctors there. And I remember walking into a room where a patient was recovering from serious surgery. And he was saying, look, I got enough to worry about now about getting well. You know, I just had major surgery, got to get my feet back on the ground, got to worry about my health. But one thing that I don't have to do in Canada, which my friends in the United States do, I don't have to worry about the financial impact of the surgery. So just think for a minute. If you have serious surgery, that's a big deal. You're worried about how you're gonna get well, what medicine do you take, what doctor you to go to. But in Canada, that's what you worry about. You don't worry that your family will go bankrupt because of that bill. And that's what a civilized, democratic society is supposed to be about. It is, it is not just Canada. It is not just Canada. It is Scandinavia, it is Germany, it is France, it is the UK. Each one of those systems are different. But what they all have in common is the understanding that the function of healthcare is not to make huge profits for insurance companies and drug companies. Nina Turner mentioned a moment ago when I was here in California four years ago, we were talking about Medicare for All and we were standing with the nurses. And I want to thank the nurses for all the great work they were doing. Four years ago, that seemed like a radical idea. Well, you know what? Ain't a radical idea today. shows that the American people believe in Medicare for all. And they believe in Medicare for all because they will have freedom of choice regarding the doctor they go to. There will no longer be doctors outside of their network. They will have freedom of choice regarding the hospital that they go to, the clinic that they go to. Under Medicare for all, where profit is not the motivating factor, we are going to invest in doctors, nurses, and healthcare, and healthcare facilities in underserved urban and rural areas. We are going to make sure that doctors and nurses do not graduate medical school or nursing school hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So there is really nothing radical 
in what I am telling you. At the end of the day, the average American who no longer will have to pay anything in premiums, will no longer have any deductibles, will no longer have to pay co-payments, will end up spending a heck of a lot less than he or she is spending today. So our fight is healthcare for all through Medicare for all. Our fight is to lower the outrageous burden, financial burden on millions of people. Our job is to make sure that prescription drugs are affordable to every American. Our job is to make sure that underserved areas are no longer underserved. Underserved. That is what not just what I want or what you want, it is what the American people want. And in this pivotal moment, our job is to stand up to the greed of the pharmaceutical industry, the greed of the insurance industry, and finally do what every other major country does and understand that healthcare is a human right, not a privilege. Thank you all very much. Thank you. talk about health care, what is amazing is once you start discussing it, you find that almost everybody has a health care story to tell. You know, maybe they'll talk about how their uh, uncle died because he couldn't afford to go to the doctor when he should. You'll find somebody else talking about the financial impact of cancer treatment on the family. Uh, you'll feel, you'll hear from somebody else who said, I thought I had coverage until the insurance company told me I was not covered for the procedure that I thought I was covered. You'll hear from young moms who say, I never believed that it would cost so much money just to have a baby, uh, and on and on it goes. So what I want to do today is two things. Uh, we want people to talk about their own healthcare experiences with the system. And if anybody has any questions for me, I'll do my best to answer them. So I want you to think about the experiences not only that you may have had, but the experience that your family or friends may have had with the system as well. Let's talk about that, let's get it out in the open, because no matter what you say, trust me, there are millions of people who have experienced exactly the same thing. So let's get going on it. We gotta, let's start off right here, ma'am, just give us your name. Let her hold the mic, she can hold it. My name is uh, Jackie Burbank, and I work with the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Good. Uh, according to the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council, the life expectancy for the average person living in America is 77 years. But for people who are homeless in America, the average life expectancy is 47 years. What policy will you put in place to address the homeless epidemic in America? Thank you very much. Look, I remember what the question poses there's something exactly right. I'm sorry, your first name is? Jackie. Jackie. 
everything is related to everything else. You can't siloize say, oh, I'm concerned about healthcare, I'm not concerned about housing. Oh, I'm concerned about housing, but I'm not concerned about education. Concerned about education, not concerned about nutrition. You can't do that. And I remember, actually, I was here in California, some of the nurses, I met with the nurses, National Nurses United, and they said, you know, Bernie, we see all of the problems in society walk into our office. All right, so to answer your question, in the wealthiest country in the history of the world, we should not have 500,000 people sleeping out on the streets tonight. And you may have noticed, or you may not have, it's not reported all that much, but Trump and Congress just significantly expanded, increased military spending. We moved it to close to $750 billion a year, which is more than the next 10 nations combined. And you all know that Trump and his friends gave a trillion and a half dollars in tax breaks to the top 1% and to large private corporations. Some of them, like Amazon, don't pay a nickel in federal income taxes. So to answer your question, we are going to rebuild America's infrastructure. And when I talk about infrastructure, I am also talking about affordable housing. And we're talking about new water systems and wastewater plants and roads and bridges. And when we do all of those things, not to mention transforming our energy system, you could have asked me the same question about pollution, right? We know in low-income communities, kids come down with asthma at much higher rates than in affluent areas. That has a lot to do with the pollution that's in those communities. So when we talk about health, you could have also asked me about disease prevention. What are we gonna do to make sure that we keep people healthy, which has to do with eating decent quality food, among other things, all right? So when we talk about healthcare, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, about the homeless and, and, and the life expectancy. That also takes us to the issue of the need for a revolution in mental health in America. Yes. I believe, and most of you, all of you believe, that when you talk about healthcare, it's not just cancer or a broken leg, mental health is part of any rational healthcare. And by the way, Jackie, you're quite right, it goes without saying, that people who are homeless are going to have a much lower life expectancy than non-homeless people, but there's something else we have to deal with. And then in the United States today, and this is unprecedented, in terms of what's going on in the world. You all know that life expectancy has declined in this country for the last three years. In every other country on earth, as we have more medical breakthroughs, better health care, life expectancy goes up a little bit every year. In America now, for three years, life expectancy has been going down. And you know why it's going down? What the doctors tell us is that we are seeing an increase in what they call diseases of despair. You know what that is? It is when people give up, and that's why everything is connected to everything else. When people are earning terrible wages, or not working at all, they're worried about their kids, 
They look out in the future and they find they have no future. When they're in that condition, what people do is turn to drugs to ease the pain, they turn to alcohol, and increasingly, they turn to suicide. And those are the reasons why life expectancy is going down. So when we talk about healthcare, and I thank you very much, Jackie, for making that point, it's more than just your ability to go to the doctor. It is to create a nation in which people have hope, where they have meaningful jobs, meaningful income, meaningful housing, and of course, go to the doctor when they need to. So Jackie, thanks very much for that question. Sanders, uh, I don't, I just have something to say. Um, I fight for Medicare for all um, on a grassroots level uh, because I, not only because I hear horrific stories, but my husband and I are freelancers. So, um, and we've been freelancers. I say that we're like the original gig people, <laughs> gig economy. And um, we would get work and, um, and then we would have money for healthcare or we would get a job that had healthcare and then we wouldn't. And then That's we right. would eat through all of our savings just to keep up with the healthcare premiums. And it was usually more when you were just an individual person and not yes. a group. And there's so many people, the freedoms that it takes away from us and, and choosing what we want to do in our paths in life. And, um, and then I hear, the, I, I feel like I'm, I'm blessed because those are my only problems when everybody has physical problems, but it is a huge problem right. for people in the gig economy. And I just what, wanted to say, say you, your first name is? My name, first name is Betty. Okay. Betty. 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 Okay. Betty. Betty. All right, let me pick up on phase one because there's another issue that is not talked about very much. And what Medicare for All and Universal Health Care means for the overall economy and for the well-being of individuals. There are millions of Americans, Faye described right now because she is self-employed, she and her husband are self-employed, the difficulty uh, and the unaffordability of getting health care, that's true. But here's something else, and that is, Faye, there are millions of people in this country who are now at a job. You know why they're at their job? Not because they love their job, not because they're proud of the work they're doing, they're at their job because they have decent health care for their families. Now what happens, and I want you all to think about this, what happens when everybody in America has health care as a right? You don't have to stay at a job you don't want. Okay, you can go out and do whatever you want and you don't have to worry about health care. You'll have the same coverage as the President of the United States, hopefully me, and everybody else. You've got all kinds of people who have great ideas, they want to start new businesses. Right now, they're kind of chained to a desk because they have good health care. It frees up people to go out and do what they want to do. The other thing that it does, we just met this morning with some unions. Every, virtually every union negotiation centers around health care. So the employer says, okay, well, if you want a wage increase to keep pace with inflation, well, I'm sorry, we're going to have to make have to be workers pay more in healthcare, higher deductibles, higher premiums, whatever it may be. And you have employers and unions spending huge amounts of time arguing over healthcare. 
Medicare for all ends that. If you're an employer, you can worry about producing your product. And if you're a union, you don't have to worry about fighting for health care because all of your workers have. So, Terry, thanks very much for that. Okay. Let, let him hold it himself. Hold it up to your mouth there. Yeah. Your name? Hi, buddy. I'm Bruce. Bruce. I love what you're doing. I love Medicare for all. I'm also concerned that you, you have a positive message for those 170 million Americans who like their private insurance. No. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> I am not so sure that anybody in America loves their insurance company. Yeah. What people do love, in many cases, they love the doctors that they have. They want to maintain those doctors. Many, very many people go to a hospital and they have a very good experience and they appreciate the hospital and the staff at the hospital. They go to a clinic. They love the clinic. Nobody, or very few people, loves the health insurance company who, in many ways, are ripping them off every single yeah. day. All right? So, Two points to be made, and you're going to see the insurance companies and the drug companies and my political opponents spending a lot of money trying to misinform the American people. On the Medicare for all, you will have freedom to go to any doctor that you want. Yeah. And by the way, that freedom does not necessarily exist today for many people because you may be in an insurance network that your doctor who you really like is not in and they go to that doctor you're going to have to pay out of your own pocket okay so on the medicare for all people have freedom of choice regarding doctors and hospitals and everything else second of all what we should remember is that every single year that somehow there's this love and sanctity for the health insurance company. We just love United Health and we love Blue Cross Blue Shield. Well, most people don't. And the truth is that every single year, about 50 million Americans change their insurance company. They may leave their job, go to another company. They got a new insurance plan. They may lose their jobs entirely. They're on their own. They got to figure out how they come up with uh, insurance. So 50 million people every year go either lose the policies that they currently have. The truth is that under Medicare for all, there'll be far more stability than currently the case. You can go to work tomorrow and your employer says, I was mayor of a city and we had many hundreds of employees and we did this. What your employer is now doing is figuring out how he or she can get the best and most cost-effective plan. So that you may walk into work tomorrow and your employer says, well, we've changed plans. You got a new insurance company. It happens every day. The beauty of Medicare for all, like the current Medicare system, it is there, it is permanent, and it will give every American far more stability than he or she has right now. about the legislation which is passed will destroy the health care system in the United States. It's called S386, which is 
supported by Amazon and these tech companies that they want to remove the country cap from immigration. So if this passes, no nurses, no physician from other countries like uh, foreign nurses or foreign physicians or scientists can get a green card for more than a decade. So all green cards will be uh, go to the citizens of single country, all in tech uh, sector. You are not a good thing is that you are not a sponsor of this bill, but I want to ask how you can oppose that and stop this legislation to be so I, I'm not sure that I understood the full question, but what the things that our bill does do, and I think you know people disagree with me, and I'm not sure that this was your question, and I apologize if it wasn't, but we believe that undocumented people are human beings like everybody else, and on the Medicare for all. Because, hold the mic up to your mouth. Your name? David Monkai. David. Thank you so much, Senator Samus, for coming to Little Tokyo. You're the only <laughs> presidential candidate who's been here since. <laughs> You're the only presidential candidate who's been here since Reverend Jesse Jackson. Yeah. And I just saw Jesse Jackson the other day. <laughs> yes. And when you are here talking about one of our most important issues as the Japanese American community, I didn't know this until recently, but Asian Pacific Islanders have the largest group of over 65 people in the United States, in the entire United States. Wow. And of Asian Pacific Islanders, of whom it's expected that 9 million by year 2060 will become over 65, among APIs, Japanese and Japanese Americans have the largest at 19%. More than African Americans, more than any other nationality in the United States, Japanese Americans have the oldest, highest percentage of elderly people. And that's why we have so many problems with losing our k nursing home and many other problems with health for elderly people. Can you just elaborate a little bit of detail into your most recent iteration of Medicare for All? Because I noticed that you put emphasis on nursing homes. All right. Two things. Right now, thank you, David. First of all, one of the current dysfunctionalities of the present system is that you got millions of older people who would like to stay home, David. They'd like to stay in their own home uh, and not go to a nursing home. But the system does not make it easy for people to get the home health care services that they need. So under Medicare for All, we cover all home health care services. So that means, and by the way, by the way, there are a lot of good jobs out there. We want to make sure right now, many home health care workers are paid abysmally low wages. But we want them to earn a decent wage and get the training that they need. But what that means, what that means is that a whole lot of folks in America will be able to live out their last years of their lives at home where they want to be with their loved ones, with their family, rather than being sent off to a nursing home. That's important. We cover that. Nursing home care under our bill will still be covered by Medicaid. But here is an issue that we must deal with, and we don't talk about it enough. And maybe somebody here can talk about it from personal experience. And that is, just think for a moment, 
you get old and you end up needing to be in a nursing home. And to get into a nursing home, if you are working class, middle class, you often need Medicaid to do it. Nursing home care is very, very expensive. In order to be eligible for Medicaid, you cannot have any assets or virtually no assets at all. So you have somebody who has worked his or her entire life, and maybe they saved 50 or $100,000, and that's money that they wanted to leave to their children, and they have to spend that money in order to get into a nursing home. How sad is that? And we have got to do a lot better than that. And the other issue that I'm reminded of, and it's not just end of life, nursing home or home health care. You know where we are terribly weak? We are very weak in terms of primary health care. You know what I mean by that? What I mean is that when you have a system designed to make profits for billionaires, it is more important to focus on tertiary health care, to have very expensive surgery and medical procedures where you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars than it is to make sure that we have primary care doctors all over this country and clinics in which anybody can walk in the door and get the health care that they need. So, and we are behind other countries. Other countries put their primary emphasis on primary health care because the goal is to keep people healthy, not to spend a fortune on them when they're very sick. All right? So, I mean, there are so many dysfunctionalities in the current system, but taking care of the elderly, allowing them to stay home, making sure they don't have to spend down their life savings are some of the things that we're going to be focusing on. Hello, uh, my name is Ivan Enriquez, um, and I was involved in a car accident in February. And uh, one of the things dealing with Medicaid, Medi-Cal, is that uh, when going to see an orthopedic surgeon, I was actually rejected an office visit. I was actually refused at the, at the desk. Um, even though I was presenting, my Medi-Cal was presenting a pre-authorization, they were citing that they don't accept third-party insurance as part of the reason why they refused to see me. Under a Medicare for All system, in which our campaign is going to work on, uh, how would you prevent such a thing? How, how would you work to prevent such a thing from happening? It ain't going to happen. Look, under, look, you go to any doctor that you want and you take out the same health insurance card that everybody in America has, doesn't matter what your income is, and the doctor treats you and you get the medical care that you need. I mean, one of, one of the many this, you know, insanities of the current system is you go to a doctor's office and somebody has this card, maybe it's Medicaid, somebody has United, somebody has Blue Cross Blue Shield, somebody has another health insurance card. And the doctor and the nurses and everybody else got to figure out how you deal with the different insurance programs that are presented. You have a deductible this high, somebody else has a different deductible, different co-payment, this program covers this, in, this prescription drug, this one does not. We can save, and the beauty of a Medicare for all single-payer system is its simplicity. In other words, everybody is treated the same, everybody gets comprehensive coverage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, maybe a few more questions. Right here, sir. Your name? Hi, I'm Mike Sofra. Your first name, what? Mike. Mike. And I got an agenda concerning our health, 
and it's personal. I grew up in the Cleveland area. You remember when the river caught on fire. I thought we were over the hump when we got environmental regulations going. But this administration has relaxed toxic release regulations into the watershed. This is going to cost the health of this country. And how will you, Mr. President, deal with this situation? Like Donald Trump, my job will not be to represent the corporate world and the chemical industry. My job will be to represent the American people. And your point is, your point is very well taken. It's the same question that Jackie asked a moment ago: the relationship of homelessness to healthcare. And what your point is, when we have a toxic environment. Of course people are going to become ill. And our job is to clean up the environment. So I think you will see the most pro-environmental president in the history of this country. Here, but I wanted to, to thank all of you, you for being out. Let me, let me conclude in, in the way that I began. Healthcare change takes place when people finally wake up one morning and they say the status quo is unacceptable. When people say sexism is unacceptable, racism is unacceptable, homophobia is unacceptable. And as a society, Trump notwithstanding, we are moving in that direction. But the next and major step forward that we have got to move toward is to understand that when we hear that one of our friends or co-workers or neighbors has no health care, that is unacceptable. That when we hear that people cannot get into a doctor's office despite having health insurance, that is unacceptable that the fact that people, when they leave a hospital, in many cases go financially bankrupt or in deep financial distress, that is unacceptable. So what we have got to fight for and make our fellow Americans see, and we are gaining on this every single day, that healthcare is a human right, that everybody, rich or poor, middle class, is entitled to healthcare and that, again, this is what this fight is about. No one really, this system is so dysfunctional, it is very hard for anybody to defend it. But what we are up against are hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars coming from the drug companies and the insurance companies. Who can defend Americans having to pay 10 times more for insulin than our neighbors in Canada? No one can defend that. Who can defend 80, some odd million people uninsured or underinsured. Nobody can defend that. But what we are up against is not a rational debate over healthcare. We are taking on the greed and the profiteering of the insurance industry and the drug companies. And they have an endless amount of money. Mark my words, no ifs, buts, and maybes about it. 
There will be 30-second ads on television telling you how terrible I am and all the awful things that I want to do. Right. Understand that these ads come from companies that make billions of dollars off of human illness and pay their CEOs outrageous compensation packages. So what we have got to do is go forward with courage to take on the greed of the drug companies, the insurance companies, and the healthcare industry and say that your profits are not more important than every American gaining healthcare as a human right. Yes. Thank you all very much.